ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Ahead of this referendum, anticipating some of the divide it might cause, we saw an Indigenous helpline be set up and it has been bombarded. Our calls are going through the roof. A lot of the calls are saying that Aboriginal people feel overwhelmed. Our calls for um, the topic of racism and trauma are rising and I believe that that is due to the referendum and the toxicity of the debate. That's Ani Marjanderson. She's a Gamilaroi woman and the national manager of the 13 Yarn Helpline, which is part of Lifeline. So, as referendum day draws closer, no matter the result, the question is, has it been worth it? Has it been worth the personal cost? And how will Australia feel and how will it look after referendum day? Hi, I'm Fran Kelly, joining you from Gadigal land of the Eora Nation in Sydney. Hey, I'm Carly Williams. I'm a Kwandamooka woman and the National Indigenous Correspondent with the ABC. I'm also on Gadigal land. This is The Voice Referendum Explained. So in recent weeks, Carly, both sides have accused the other of being the wreckers in this campaign. Peter Dutton says Anthony Albanese's referendum has just divided the nation. And the Yes campaign say it's the disinformation being peddled by No that's caused the damage. Two weeks out from referendum day, the Prime Minister says at least the nation has been focused and is now focused on Indigenous Australians. Australians are talking like never before about the gap that's there in life expectancy about the fact that an Indigenous young male has a greater chance of going to jail than university, about health issues, about housing, about listening. And and that process in itself is something that, that I believe is positive. The fact that we are talking about Indigenous disadvantage, not on the fringes, but on the front pages of newspapers. Well, that's a fair point, I suppose. That's the Mm. Prime Minister speaking with Catherine Murphy on the Guardian podcast. But meanwhile, back at the 13 Yarn helpline, Ani Marge can report it's taking a heavy toll. My staff have particularly told me, yes, it has intensified for them. Look, they go and do their grocery shopping and, you know, and have people making snide remarks, you know, as they're walking past. It's just, it's really becoming toxic out there for Aboriginal people and not only because of the racism, it's because we're expected to be an expert on the voice. And so, you know, well-meaning non-Aboriginal people are coming up to Aboriginal people and asking them about the voice and asking them for clarity. And they seem to think that we've got an electronic message stick that's secret, that we're getting more information than anybody else. Fran, I've never heard anything more relatable. No message stick? You don't know message stick, Carly? <laughs> Look, I've heard this from Mob as well, regardless of how they're voting. Gwenda Stanley is a Gomoroi woman. She's voting no. She's the caretaker of the Aboriginal tent embassy in Canberra. Well, you know, you can't actually turn the television on or turn the radio on unless you're hearing about this campaign. And, you know, it's quite disturbing to hear all these people that are coming out and having their opinions on us, about us, without us. You know, we feel the impact of what's happening on social media and the reality of living as an Aboriginal person in this country. And if anything, this has actually exposed the continuous racism in this country. But as the date draws closer, 
people are starting to think about how we're going to feel the day after the referendum. If we vote yes in this referendum, we'll be seen as a modern democracy that has dealt with the legacies that have come from imperial nations taking countries away from Indigenous peoples. That's the first thing. And that we were courageous enough as a nation of a modern nation to deal with and face up to that particular matter by recognition in our constitution and by allowing the, the people that we've subjugated and oppressed a voice that is not binding on our parliament, but a voice that they can put to our parliament and to our executive on ways to improve that relationship between us and those that have conquered us. And it will also be seen as a matter of restorative justice. We can't go backwards, but we can be honest, we can face up to the legacy, and we can try to map out a future way, but this time in a dialogue with the First Peoples and give them a chance to say how we ought to do it. That's Labor Senator and Yaru man Pat Dodson, and that's so characteristic of him. I mean, a lot of people think of him as the father of reconciliation. He's always thinking about how to make peace within Australia between black and white Australians, and, and he's still optimistic about a yes vote. But, Carly, what if Australia votes no? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But one thing is for sure, a no vote will attract international attention. There's no escaping that. The voice referendum's already got a good run on the BBC, New York Times, it's been on international podcasts. I'm getting messages from people overseas asking, where is this going? What's happening? Yeah, former Foreign Minister Julie Bishop, she says it's being talked about too. She's still out and about on the international stage. She's been campaigning for yes. I have no doubt that it will be sending a very negative message about the openness and the empathy and the respect and responsibility that the Australian people have for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. And her view is shared by John McCarthy. He's a career diplomat. In fact, he's been Australia's ambassador in seven countries, most of them in the region. I think in a longer-term way, the manner in which we are regarded, the manner in which we are trusted, the manner in which people have confidence in us as a country, all that will be impacted. And I think in the end, you know, the manner in which people regard us as a country does have long-term implications for all sorts of things, whether people visit uh, in a funny subliminal way, whether they want to do business with us, the manner in which they trust us, regard us uh, internationally, uh, all that will come into play. It's a bit confronting, Fran. People won't want to visit us. People won't want to visit Australia. Well, maybe. I mean... He, John McCarthy is not claiming that a no vote will affect our terms of trade or anything on that scale, but he is adamant that a no vote will damage our relations with our Pacific neighbours. There is considerable empathy amongst Pacific Islanders for Indigenous people in Australia, and they will take it very, very seriously. And this, I think, actually is quite important to our current strategic interests. We've put a real emphasis on the South Pacific over the past three or four years, partly because of fears of encroachment by China. Now, part of that means understanding the way people of the Pacific think and the way we treat Indigenous people will be seen as directly relevant to the way Australians look to the South Pacific. 
So John McCarthy thinks it will have knock-on effects in our sort of strategic relationships. And Fran, any sort of nuance in this vote, the complexities of both sides are going to be lost in international coverage, won't it? Like all that will resonate, all that's going to cut through is this headline, Australia voted against recognising Indigenous people. So if it is a no, and that's what the polls have been suggesting, how will the government respond? Is it too early to be even talking about that? Well, it's early for them. You will have noticed that neither the Prime Minister nor Linda Burney, who's the Minister for Indigenous Australians, are prepared to go there yet. They're remaining staunchly positive and they're campaigning hard for a yes vote. So they're not engaging at all in the question of, you know, what happens if it's a no the morning after. But as the polls continue to slide, others are thinking about the future and some are urging the government to be prepared. Among them, Indigenous academic Marcia Langton. She's the co-author of the Karma Langton Report, which remains the only model we have so far still on what a legislated voice would have looked like. The blueprint. Yeah, yeah. that's what they were mm. working on. And when Marcia Langton spoke at the National Press Club a few weeks ago, she had some, let's call it free and frank advice for the PM. I do hope that the government sets out an agenda for reform that's based on common sense, on the recommendations of many inquiries and royal commissions and on expert advice before the rabble take over and turn a no vote into a mandate to cause us even further harm. If they're not if the government is not inclined to set out the agenda before the vote, then they should do so immediately afterwards. And that means they should be prepared now to tell us what the future holds for us. That's Marcia Langton with something, you know, sounds pretty close to a plea to the government, really. But what would that agenda be? There have been calls for the government to legislate a voice and if the referendum does go down, but what are the odds? Are they going to go there? I think a legislative voice is unlikely because if you think about it, if the Prime Minister the day after the country voted no said, oh, well, we're going to move forward with a legislated voice, I think he'd be accused of ignoring the will of the people. Now, the only caveat there would be if, say, Peter Dutton stepped up with a with an olive branch and said, okay, let's do this together, that, that might be different. But I, I don't think it's going to be a legislated voice. I really can't see that happening. The number one priority, the reality is, for, for most Australians right now is cost of living and the pressures people are feeling. Paying the bills. Yeah, paying the bills, that's it. And I, I think after this referendum day, the government is going to want to reset and prove to the population that, you know, it's totally focused there on their everyday cost of living needs. Yeah, I get that. Uh, this is why Marcia Langton is worried Indigenous Affairs is just going to be forgotten about, exactly. bottom of the pile. Exactly. Mm. And, and, and it will fall off the front pages. It won't be front and centre like it is now. Mm. But I'm sure the Prime Minister is going to want to keep faith with Indigenous Australians somehow too. So I imagine he'll address the nation when we get the result, whatever it is, and perhaps have some kind of action plan to improve the disadvantage that he was talking about earlier, something maybe less permanent, less consultative than The Voice. Remember, Carly, a few weeks back, before the campaign really got underway, the Productivity Commission came out with its report into the Closing the Gap targets and it gave the state and territory governments a real shellacking for failing in their commitments to closing the gap. Yeah, it got a roasting. It said the government had completely dropped the ball at meeting those targets and the government cannot ignore 
closing the gap data can it? No. And what the Productivity Commission said was the states were failing to honour their pledge to work with Indigenous communities to improve things on the ground. This was a whole new way they were meant to be working and it just found they weren't doing it. So perhaps there'll be a, a national cabinet process called around the closing the gap targets to start with. Pat Dodson thinks that's a good way to go. Just get all the leaders around the table again. If Australia votes no in this referendum, then we would have to take stock of our position as a mature, modern democracy. Uh, We will have failed in the legacy issues that colonisation has bequeathed to us, in the settlement issues that colonisation has also bequeathed to us, in the denial of the First Peoples of this country. Uh, But if we fail, then I think the Federation has got to come together as we do through the uh, meeting of Prime Ministers and Leaders from states and territories and reassess, okay, how does the nation go forward in other ways? And then there are other possibilities. And some of the states are showing leadership in that direction with their own voices and treaty commissions, etc. Yeah, Pat Dodson reminding us there that most states and territories now do have some kind of treaty process. There's a way to go with most of them, but they seem to be committed. And as we discussed in the last ep, Carly, a federal treaty would be decades in the making anyway. And I think that a no vote probably takes the idea of a national treaty off the table. Yeah, now. yeah, and friend, the idea of a national treaty doesn't actually sit well with lots of mob anyway. Gwenda Stanley, who we heard from earlier from the 10 Embassy, she's voting no. She thinks that treaties will work best at a local level. It's nation building and it needs to be the clans of the nations to make that decision on what they want. No one treaty can actually determine any other clan or nation's determination for what they see as their own clan treaties. And, you know, again, if we try to do that, we're going to fail our people on the ground and just another bickering and fighting division amongst our own. Yeah, and as we've reminded uh, people throughout this podcast series a lot of times, Carly, this referendum is not about treaty. That's not what's on the ticket this time, is it? I think we all need reminding. This referendum is not about treaty, national treaty or state-level treaty. This referendum is about recognising Indigenous Australians in the constitution with a voice to parliament. And leaders like Marcia Langton, who we heard from earlier, others we've heard on this podcast, Noel Pearson, Megan Davis, Arnie Pat Anderson, and a lot of others have devoted a lot of their lives to get to this moment. If the nation votes no, well, you'd have to wonder really if they're going to saddle up again. Yeah, that is a big worry of Mbantua, Alice Springs business leader, Owen Cole. He's a Luritja and Warramungu man. I'm just frightened of the fact that a large sector of the Aboriginal community will be that demoralised and many of the elders will retreat from um, playing the influential role that they do in in politics and and they'll just say it's just not worth it. We've given our utmost and it's failed and uh, we'll retreat. So I'm just afraid that people are going to wave the white flag and and walk away and say that we're never going to beat this Australian system. It's unfair. You know, the old mantra that everyone gets a fair go in Australia, that is, except if you're Aboriginal, and this will just say to people, we just want to disappear, exit stage left. It's worrying to think of the lingering effects on mob that this campaign have had. If the helpline calls out anything to go by, you know, this has hurt us. This has caused damage, whatever way the vote goes. So the government does need a plan to address that, the damage that the campaign has done. Yeah, and try and make sure we get a reconciliation process 
up and thriving again, hopefully. Well, that's it from us. Next week is the final week of the referendum campaign, so we'll be back with you just one more time, one last time, before you cast your ballot. But who's counting? Thanks for listening. The podcast is called The Voice Referendum Explained. Listen to us on the ABC Listen app, and we film this too, so you can watch us on iView. Just search The Voice Referendum Explained. We'll see you next week, Fran. See you, Carly. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.